0: Today's fic is Have Love, Will Travel by Squee Monster, chapters 1 and 2. The rating for this fic is explicit. Pertinent tags for this fic include Recluse Castiel, Exotic Dancer Dean, Past Trauma, Mental Health Issues, Lap Sex, Lap Dances, Fraudage, Face Fucking, Blowjobs, Anal Sex. Love will travel, written by Squee Monster, read for you by Nerdy Nerdingstein. Summary: Castiel Novak is a reclusive writer with a childhood so tragic it's left him terrified to leave his home. Until his overbearing brother Gabriel drags him out for a night on the town, full of booze and strip clubs, and he encounters Dean Winchester, a mesmerizing and mysterious stripper with secrets of his own. Both men find themselves inexplicably drawn to each other. And soon, Dean's private dances for Castiel become much more, as both men confess their troubles and find solace in each other's company. But neither can seem to find the courage to take the relationship further than the intimacy of the club's VIP room. And just when Dean's own brother gives him the excuse he needs to finally admit his feelings... Dean discovers something that brings it all crumbling down. Will they find their way past their demons and their trust issues and back to each other?
2: To see you dance just one more time. So they say, dance for me, dance, for me, dance for me, oh. oh. I've never seen anybody do the thing to do before. They say, move for me, move for me, move for me, hey, hey. And when you're done, I'm you to be done.
0: Chapter 1 From Pamela.Barnes at com to castiel.novak@gmail.com. at Gmail.com Hey, Cass. Haven't heard from you in too long. What the hell's going on with you? I need at least the first three chapters from you ASAP, Sugarcakes. The boss man has his panties in a twist, especially since you poo-pooed that book tour. Don't leave me hanging. Pam. From castiel.novac at gmail.com to pamela.barnes at com Pamela, I'm so sorry for my silence of late. I've been hesitant to admit that I've been having trouble with my writing. I believe I'm tired of writing this series. I have no desire to continue it at the moment and no inspiration for where to go with it. Until I begin to feel inspired again, I'm afraid to say I can't force myself to go on with it. My apologies, Castiel. From Pamela.Barnes at HalflightPublishing.com to Castiel.Novak at Gmail.com What? Cass, don't you do this to me. We've been friends for too long for you to pull that stick-up-your-ass routine. What the hell do you mean you can't force yourself to go on with it? Buck up, soldier. You signed a five-book contract deal, and you've got two more to write. So stop whining, sit down on that cute little tush of yours, and start writing something. Pam. From castiel.novac at gmail.com to pamela.barnes at com But Pam, I'm freaking out. I've wanted to come to you with this, but I knew how upset you'd be. I sit down at my computer and nothing inspires me. I don't care about these characters anymore. Why should I care about the angels? They're cold and calculating and have no empathy for humans or Earth at all. If I can't make myself care, how can I expect the readers to care? How big of a deal is it to get out of a contract? They'll sue me, I know, but I just don't know what else to do. Cass From Pamela. at halflight dot com to Castell. at gmail dot com You just need to think about something else for a while. Freshen your mind up a bit. What about going out somewhere? I know, I know you don't like leaving your apartment, but honey, I really do think it would do you some good. Just a walk through the park or something. Or better yet, find yourself a cute hard bod to dive into for a long weekend. That'll give you some perspective. Wink wink. Pam. From castiel.novac at gmail.com to pamela.barnes at com No, that wouldn't help. I'll attempt to do some more research tomorrow, but I can make no promises at this point. again, I'm so sorry if this gets you in trouble with, dickhead. Sorry, I can't recall the name of your new supervisor at the moment. Yours, Cass. From Pamela Barnes at HalflightPublishing.com to Castiel at Gmail.com. His name is Zachariah, and yeah, he'll be pissed. But I can hold him off for a while longer. I think. Just do your best. And Cass, stay in touch with me, okay? I worry about you. And I miss gossiping with my friend. Hugs, Pam. From Pamela.Barnes at com to SugarLips69 at com. You need to stop schmoozing your clients and jet-sating the world long enough to check up on your brother, because he's about to go off the deep end. If you care, that is. Pamela Barnes From sugarlip 69 at gmail.com to Barnes at com Okay, I'll bite. I got three questions. Who are you? Which brother? How'd you get this email address? Wait, four questions. What do you look like? Because you sound hot. Gabriel Novak From Pamela. Barnes at com to sugarlip 69 at com Wow, Cass wasn't kidding about you. This is Pamela, Castiel's editor. The brother in question is obviously Castiel. I got your email from a message he sent out to a bunch of people a few months ago with some YouTube link of kittens reenacting Star Wars. I saw your ridiculous email, Addie, and asked him who you were. Your brother has writer's block and he's having a meltdown. I think he needs to get out of that apartment and let loose for a night, but I'm sure you know how that argument went. I get on a plane to Wichita myself, but I've got meetings out the Wazoo for the next two weeks. I figured since you're a fancy international ad man, you could take some time off and go check up on him. Pamela From sugarlip 69 at gmail.com 2. Barnes at com Damn it, I knew something was up when the kid didn't call to bitch at me about that porn link I sent him last week. It just so happens I'm in Chicago this week anyway, so I can hop on a plane tomorrow and check up on him. Thanks for the heads up, Gabriel. P.S. Send me a picture of you so I can confirm you really are who you say you are. Preferably in a schoolgirl uniform. Rider's block has to be one of the most favored tortures in hell, Castiel believes. It's even worse than magic erasering the grout between the floor tiles in the kitchen, which is what he's doing right now, even though it's already spotless. And Castiel isn't really cleaning the grout after all, he's procrastinating. He knows this because he has spent the last three days procrastinating his way through the entire condo. Not that it needs the attention. His bi-weekly merry maid and his procrastinating have seen to that. He sits back on his haunches, studies the floor with a critical eye. It's done, he thinks regretfully, and there really is nothing left to clean. And that means he'll have to do what he should be doing. And his eyes drift up to focus on his computer, staring blackly at him through the half-open office door. Time for another fruitless attempt at getting some deathless prose hammered out then, and Castiel pushes up, dumps the ravaged corpse of the magic eraser in the sink before padding into the office. The cursor he abandoned mid-sentence after running out of steam three paragraphs in to chapter two is blinking at him in a calculated, mocking way. A calculated, mocking way that reminds him he could use a shower after all that procrastinating— and that after he showers, the bathroom will need a clean. As he's standing under the hot spray of water, Castiel hears a knocking sound. Air in the pipes. Or, even better, a major plumbing repair that will play merry hell with his writing schedule for the next week. He grimaces up into the spray, because where there are major plumbing repairs, there are strangers walking around his home, invading his space and threatening the comfort of his routine. He debates the pros and cons of dealing with plumbing repairs, the distraction from writing being a definite plus, for the two minutes it takes to realize the knocking sound is someone pounding on his front door, and not anyone he's expecting to visit, because today isn't groceries day. Not anyone he wants to visit either, he discovers after he wraps a towel around his waist and drips his way to the front door. Hey, little bro, what's hanging, other than your junk under that towel? Castiel knows he's slack-jawed as he stares at his brother standing in the doorway, and his response is flat. What do you want? Gabriel presses a palm to his chest, all wide eyes and mock hurt. Pardon my rudeness, Castiel adds, just as baleful as he was before. But what are you doing here? His brother slides adroitly past him and into the apartment, eyes darting everywhere at once. Yeah, I know we're supposed to notify you in triplicate before dropping by on the pain of death, but I had some business in Chicago this week. He spins around, his eyes lively, and you're in luck. I have a long weekend and no plans, so I hopped a shuttle to come see my little brother. You're taking me out for my birthday. It takes Castiel longer than it really should to rustle up the date from his memory. Your birthday isn't for another two months. Yeah, that's a technicality. Who's to say when I might be up this way again? Gabriel's face sobers for a moment as he watches Castiel fidget. Cass, I tried calling you last night, but you let it go to voicemail, and I emailed you this morning, but zip. So, I did try to give you some notice. Castiel bites his lip as he contemplates Gabriel's words, finally sighing. All right but I'll have to get dressed. Gabriel smirks. Well, duh. Not that the towel doesn't suit you. He saunters through the foyer ahead of Castiel, nods as he takes it all in. I like what you've done with the place. Architect was worth the money then. Yes, like I said he would be, Castiel retorts, and as he makes his way back into the bedroom to pull on his jeans and a clean t-shirt, a sense of smug satisfaction swells up inside him, on the memory of his brother's unimpressed eye-roll the first time they'd come up here and surveyed the poorly laid-out shambles the place was. He thinks on it now, smaller rooms knocked into one large, airy living space, with bedrooms and bathrooms off the main living room, light flooding in and shining gold on wooden floors. Peace, a sanctuary, even if his brothers and cousins all lectured that he'd be better off buying in the suburbs away from the bustle of the city, a place where he'd be happy and more comfortable hiding away. But no, the high ground for him, although most of his family questioned his sanity, high enough to see everything for miles around, his hilltop fort. Gabriel is in the den, leafing through a book when Castiel finds him again. Photography? He inquires as he lifts it up. Thinking of taking up a new hobby? Castiel narrows his eyes and juts his chin out in defiance. Maybe. Some day. Why didn't you use your key to get in? There's a reason I gave it to you, you know. Gabriel snorts. Right. For all I know, you could have taken your creeper recluse status to the next level and started hoarding guns or knives or something. It'd be just my luck barging in on you while you were cleaning your rifles. Sighing. Castiel takes a seat on his couch. I'm not a creeper recluse, and I don't hoard, especially not weapons. Gabriel plops down on a chair, stacking his feet on the coffee table in front of him. He fixes Castiel with a needle-sharp, analytical look. So when's the last time you went outside? Castiel clenches his jaw and stares at the floor. Six months ago. There's a stifled expletive at that but his brother recovers well enough. You still wearing that ugly trench coat whenever you do leave the house? Yes. Then you're a creeper recluse, Cass. Castiel can feel his brother's eyes boring into him, but when he glances up at Gabriel, what he finds in his face is fondness, not anger or disappointment. Castiel relaxes a tiny bit, and even as he does it, he knows it's a mistake because Gabriel can scent weakness like a great white can scent a drop of blood in the Atlantic. And sure enough, he goes in for the kill. So, I was thinking maybe a night on the town. A bar, a club. Fetch your creeper coat. Castiel tenses a great deal at that, but he has been on this merry-go-round with his brother often enough to know that the wooby act is a useless defense. I have work to do, he says firmly. Right now. I'm working, in fact. And you disturbed me. Gabriel's eyes go beady and take a long, slow sweep around the room. Place looks awfully clean, kiddo. Keeping his eyes as steady as he can, even if his gut is starting to churn, Castiel adds, Working to a deadline. Gabriel leans forward, propping his elbows on his knees. Cass, chill out. I'm not going to force you to do anything and I'm not even going to try to guilt you into anything. Much. I don't want to. Castiel rubs his palm across his forehead, glancing quickly around the room. What did you have in mind? Gabriel, you know how I feel about going out without a plan. You're right, Cass, I do know, which is why I've got it all planned out. Gabriel reaches into his coat, pulls folded papers from a pocket. See here? This is an itinerary of where I'd like to go. I've got a reservation at Polly's Steakhouse on North 5th Street at 730. Here's a layout of the restaurant. He unfolds a sketched diagram that I bribed the hostess to make. Gabriel pauses his speech for a moment to stare happily into space. Hmm, the things I had to promise her to get her to draw this for me. He continues to contemplate for several more seconds until Castiel clears his throat. Right, so, anywho, I got Tammy with an eye to reserve us a table in the corner with a clear view of the entire main floor of the restaurant and the exit. Also, here's the menu so you can go ahead and decide what you want to eat. Gabriel stops, smiles brightly, because he's a man with a plan. And it's a bad plan. A plan that has Castiel's heart beating faster and his mouth going dry. How will we be getting there? He manages and he knows he sounds a little desperate. I do have my car, but I haven't mapped it out or checked on traffic congestion around that area or even looked at the weather forecast today and got that one covered too, Cass. His brother jumps in smartly, but then his voice goes gentle. I've got a Mercedes picking us up 20 minutes before the reservation, and before you ask, yes, I checked their safety record and it's the safest limo service in the city and I got them to draw me a map of the route the driver will take. Gabriel pulls a city map out of his coat pocket, and Castiel whips out his hand purely by reflex, grabs the map, and unfolds it. He pours over the route his brother has plotted with a sharpie. The restaurant is less than five miles from his condo, which is a relief. He swallows. I suppose I could try going out with you. That only gives me about an hour to prepare, though. He stands up to make his way into his bedroom, but turns when he hears his brother clear his throat. Uh, Cass, that's not the only place I want to go tonight. Castiel stares at him for a moment before sitting back down. Okay, where else do you want to go? See, there's this new strip club in town, and... His nerves cast out by his annoyance, Castiel snaps, strip club. Oh boy, yeah, And <laughs> wait till you hear what I had to do to get that place mapped out for me, Gabriel cackles. An hour and a half later, finds them both at the steakhouse Gabriel chose. It's a very opulent and swanky place on the other side of downtown from Castiel's condo. It's also packed, noisy with groups of people laughing boisterously, and busy with waiters and waitresses skipping by with large trays of food. It's a hive of activity, and if Castiel didn't have a map of the layout of the building in his pocket and a full view of the exit... He knows he'd probably be in the beginnings of a panic attack by now. He's damned thankful he had the presence of mind to take a Xanax before he left his place. There's no doubt the food smells good. So good that Castiel thinks he might even be able to eat despite his nerves. Gabriel orders a pint of Guinness and a rare steak, scoffing at Castiel's request of a cheeseburger and Diet Coke. At least drink a pint with me. It'll help loosen you up castiel knows this is one argument he will not win so he acquiesces and orders a guinness as well warning darkly if i end up passing out from the combination of my meds and alcohol you are forbidden from taking any pictures of me in compromising situations gabriel smirks oh come on cass that was one time and you have to admit you did look pretty in that lipstick and bonnet Castiel rolls his eyes. Yes, but the lipstick was the wrong color for my skin tone. It was completely embarrassing. Gabriel snorts, but remains silent for several minutes, and Castiel spends the time scanning the room, willing his medication to start taking effect. Several sips later, Gabriel clears his throat. So, still popping the pills? He broaches it cautiously enough, But Castiel knows he bristles and sounds too defensive. I'm not pill-popping. I'm not taking them regularly at all, in fact. I work from home. I don't need to go out in public very often, so I don't have to take them very often. Gabriel nods slowly. Okay. And they're effective. Castiel continues. Too fast. Because he wonders if his brother will ever get it. The knife-edge feeling of being on the verge of screaming panic the weariness of it. How's work? Gabriel detours, and Castiel thinks maybe he does get it. The brief distraction of their drinks arriving is welcome, and Castiel reaches for his glass, as greedily as his brother does, gulps down a mouthful. He glances his way from the corner of his eye, then keeps his gaze steady on the tablecloth, fingers playing nervously with a napkin. Work is... Fine, I suppose. Bullshit. Castiel's head quickly snaps up, his stare focusing on Gabriel's smirk. What do you mean? I don't understand. You've been trying to write for over a month and it's been a no-go. How do you even know that? Castiel looks around the room suspiciously, wondering if this is some practical joke, if there are cameras somewhere watching him, waiting to pull a fast one over on him. Gabriel lowers his voice to a calm, even tone. Steady now, little brother. It's not magic or some big conspiracy. Your editor emailed me yesterday. That makes no sense. And Castiel gapes. Pamela, how? Why? How? Those are three very good questions, Gabriel smiles, voice back to its normal teasing tone. First off, There's this amazing little invention called the internet. By the way, stop me if you've heard this one. Gabe, if you don't get serious. All right, all right, take another chill pill. She got my email address from some mass email you sent out weeks ago about space-age pussies. Um, That sounds like nothing I would do. Okay, maybe it was about kittens playing Star Wars. Who the fuck clicks on those links people send in emails anyway? I do, Gabriel which is why I got so pissed at you when you sent me that porn link. It took me weeks to get rid of that virus. Gabriel gets a dreamy look on his face and sighs. Yeah, that was some truly filthy porn. I'm not surprised it was so dirty you got a virus. Although I am shocked to discover that STDs are strong enough now to pass on through the inner tubes. Just goes to show that antibiotics are building a virus army to kill us all. Gabe. Castiel jumps in. Focus. Gabriel fakes a wince and smirks. Huh? Oh, right. Anyway, your editor sent me an email yesterday saying I should check in on you. Or actually, she demanded it in a really hot way. Speaking of, what does she look like? She's hot, isn't she? I bet she's got the librarian vibe going for her. Glasses, hair tied back in a bun, tight skirt and buttoned-down shirt, stiletto heels and an attitude. Am I right? Sighing, Castiel reaches for his beer and gulps down half of it. That's better. Pamela is. She's not like that. She's very appealing, really. More into new age things. The healing power of crystals. Pyramids. I've never really understood how she ended up in the business world. Even something as creative as this. She practices meditation, yoga, goes on spiritual retreats. She's a very giving soul, but will also not tolerate anyone's bullshit. I've yet to meet anyone who could best her, physically or mentally, or in the consumption of alcohol. Gabriel chuckles. Sounds like my kind of gal. Castiel scoffs. She'd eat you alive. Oh, I'm counting on it. There's a mental image Castiel can do without, so he steers the conversation back to the point. So what? You came here because Pam said I might be going off the deep end? He knows he sounds petulant and hurt, but he can't help it. It's humiliating to know that his friends and family are now going behind his back, discussing what's best for him. Gabriel leans back in his chair. No, little bro, he starts, but as Castiel rearranges his features into skepticism, Gabriel concedes. Well, yeah, kinda. But I've been thinking of coming to see you on this trip anyways. I really might not be able to make it back before my birthday, and I've missed you. Pam's email just gave me the kick in the ass I needed to get myself here. Even if he's suspicious, it warms Castiel's heart to hear his brother say he missed him. Sometimes it's easy to forget how nice it is to interact with people face-to-face instead of virtually or on the phone, and so he can't help softening. Thanks, Gabriel. I've missed you as well. Besides, I've always wanted to see how you'd react in a strip club. The man can never let a sincere moment pass without provocation. The strip club is only a ten-minute stroll from the restaurant, but Gabriel doesn't force an impromptu late-night walk on Castiel. He whistles shrilly for the car, bundles Castiel into it, and two minutes after lurching out of the restaurant, they're on the doorstep of the club. It doesn't look like much from the outside, just a simple sign that says angels and demons above the door, and a burly bouncer standing guard at the entrance. The man waves them through once Gabriel tucks a folded bill into his jacket pocket, and Gabriel pushes Castiel ahead of him down a long, darkened hallway, covered from floor to ceiling in twinkling lights. It's like walking through space, the final frontier, Gabriel slurs. We shall boldly go. Castiel can feel his heart rate quicken slightly at being in such a dark, unfamiliar place, and he says a silent thank you to Gabriel for pressuring him into drinking alcohol. The combination of that and the Xanax has dampened his propensity to panic quite considerably, but even so, despite the stars twinkling above them, he's grateful when they come to the end of the hallway, which opens up onto a very large room with a stage on the opposite side. Castiel takes a quick survey of the room to get his bearings and locate the emergency exits. On the right side of the club is a large bar that runs the length of the wall, making it big enough to have two separate sections, one titled Heaven and one titled Hell. It's decorated in the same theme as the rest of the club seems to be, the heaven side filled with whites and silvers and blues, soft pillows made to resemble clouds thrown around the booths and sectioned-off areas, and the hellside filled with dark splashes of color, reds and purples and blacks, paintings of fire and naked bodies writhing and wrapped around each other in various stages of sin. It's a quite ingenious theme, Castiel muses, one the club has taken even further, to the waiters and waitresses walking around, Some dressed as angels, complete with halos hanging crookedly over their heads, and fluffy strap-on wings, and others dressed as devils, with little horns and blood-red lips. Glancing around, Castiel notices both men and women, in various stages of undress, dancing on the small, elevated platforms around the room. When he looks to Gabriel with his eyebrows raised, his brother winks. Do I take care of my little bro or what? This is one of those equal opportunity strip clubs. Boys and girls, whatever floats your boat. I even reserved us a special VIP table right in front of the stage. He grabs Castiel's coat sleeve and drags him over to their table. Castiel is horrified at the thought of sitting that close to the stage where everyone can see them and anything could happen. Until Gabriel leans over to shout at him above the music, Don't worry, Cass. I told them we didn't want any of the dancers to come up to us. We'll be fine. Nothing's going to happen that you don't know about beforehand, okay? Castiel takes a deep breath and nods at his brother, reminding himself that no matter how annoying and infuriating Gabriel can be, he'd never deliberately do anything upsetting. Before he can begin to scan the room to double-check on the escape routes, a waitress has approached to take their drink orders. Two beers and a bottle of House White, Gabriel raps out smartly before Castiel can refuse, and then leans in. This is just insurance to make sure you stay relaxed. He reassures above the noise of the music and the other patrons. At this point, if you're not careful, relax may become comatose. Castiel shouts back. I'm not supposed to drink alcohol with my meds, and I never have before. I have no idea how much of an effect it'll have on me. Gabriel waves a hand. Don't worry. If you pass out, I'll just have one of those handsome, scantily clad men scoop you up and carry you to the car. He grins and waggles his eyebrows, and Castiel rolls his eyes and turns his attention to the stage. As the lights are dimmed and the spotlight is turned on, The first performer is a woman called Casey, and she takes the stage dressed in motorcycle gear, spiked heel boots, dark leather pants, and a tight leather jacket. She quickly loses the jacket, revealing a barely-there ruby-red tank top underneath. She slowly moves across the stage, sliding her hands up and down her body, her movements hypnotizing Long, brunette hair falling around her bare shoulders in silky waves. She moves like she knows she has the audience so entranced that she needn't do anything flashy to garner their attention. Castiel spares a glance at Gabriel and huffs in laughter. His brother's gaze on the dancer is so intense, Castiel wouldn't be surprised to see laser beams shooting out of his eyes. As it is, Castiel briefly wonders if he should order a bib, to protect his clothes from all the drooling. Once Casey's routine is finished, Castiel excuses himself to go to the bathroom, his bladder not being used to all the alcohol he's drinking, nor to the nerves he's been feeling. He makes his way to the bathroom closest to his table, along a hallway next to the bar. As he approaches the door, he sees a man in green medical scrubs leaning on the wall outside of it, "'talking on a cell phone, "'and the fingers of one hand "'are pinching the bridge of his nose "'as he talks into the phone. "'I know, I know,' the man says. "'I just miss you is all.' "'His voice cracks as he says those last words, "'and Castiel feels as if he's eavesdropping "'on a very private moment. "'He's unsure of what to do "'because he doesn't want to interrupt, "'but it seems as if the man "'is standing in line for the bathroom.' and Castiel doesn't want to cut in. He stands there quietly, looking around and trying to be as unobtrusive as possible as the man finishes up his phone call, eyes still closed. Okay, yeah, I guess I'll see you next weekend then. Hopefully. The man sighs. Yeah, I love you too, shithead. Bye. Castiel watches the man smile faintly as he says his goodbye. When he ends the call, he scrubs a hand across his face, and Castiel hears him mumble, Fuck. Castiel stands awkwardly for another couple of seconds before clearing his throat. The man's eyes snap open as he notices Castiel for the first time, and Castiel smiles nervously. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I wasn't sure if you were in line for the bathroom. He gestures at the door feeling like the most uncouth human that's ever existed, especially once he gets a glimpse of the man's eyes. They are a perfect shade of green, with flecks of gold near the pupils and eyelashes that don't seem to end. The man blushes faintly and smiles, pushing away from the wall. All yours, dude, he draws. Have a good night, he calls over his shoulder as he walks away. Castiel watches the man's retreating form until he becomes lost in the crowd. Yes, you too. He mumbles to no one. Great, Cass. He berates himself. The most beautiful man you've ever seen, and all you can do is ask if he's in line for the bathroom. What great progress you have made. Once Castiel has returned to his seat at their table, Gabriel leans over. Hey, funny story. Turns out Casey is that dancer's real name. Also, her boyfriend is the big guy dressed as a gladiator over there, and he doesn't take too kindly to guys asking his girlfriend out. Go figure. Castiel snorts, taking a sip from his dwindling pint. I would say that I'm shocked, but I doubt anything can shock me any more about this night. Which is exactly when the lights dim again and the next dancer is announced. Everyone, put your hands together and get those dollar bills at the ready for Dr. Sexy himself, Tyler Page! The announcer screams into his microphone as both the men and the women in the crowd whoop and holler. Castiel looks around at the audience, wondering what the fuss is about, until he glances back at the stage and sees the man from the bathroom hallway strutting out onto the catwalk. Oh, dear Lord in heaven, Castiel blurts out, and he hears Gabriel bark out laughter beside him. You thanking God for Dr. Sexy up there, or asking God to forgive you for the sins you're wanting to commit right now? Castiel ignores his brother, his attention solely on Tyler Page. He's got a white lab coat on, over the green scrubs, and cowboy boots on his feet. He's wearing black-rimmed glasses that give him the air of a serious professional. Castiel watches as Tyler begins bouncing to the music, the beat fast and hard. Castiel recognizes the song, but can't place it until the chorus begins. Doctor, doctor,
1: give me the news, I got
0: The lyrics are definitely appropriate, and the rhythm is perfect for a striptease of this nature. Tyler slings the lab coat off, throwing it across the stage. He smirks as he looks out on the crowd, one foot bouncing to the beat as he begins to tease and slowly raise his scrub shirt. The crowd, women and men alike, whistle and catcall at the first glimpse of Tyler's tan abs hip bone peeking out above the low-riding waistband of his pants. He wags a finger to the audience and lets the hem of his shirt fall back down, laughing in surprise at the "aw, and take it off, replies he hears from the crowd. He turns his back on the audience, begins to shimmy and shake his rear to the music, exposing the tightness of his pants to everyone, leaving nothing to the imagination. Castiel hears Gabriel comment, "'Damn, you could bounce quarters off that ass!' But he ignores his brother, completely hypnotized by Tyler. He's not the best dancer, not by any stretch of the imagination. He doesn't perform any fancy moves or intricate routines. What's so entrancing about him is how he doesn't seem completely at ease, how he seems almost vulnerable.' Yet he also appears to be having fun, and looks genuinely surprised whenever he gets a positive response from the crowd. Castiel begins to wonder just how new to stripping Tyler must be. But before his mind can wander, Tyler pulls his scrub top over his head, revealing lean, tan skin and strong, muscled shoulders. He has a tattoo of what looks to be a star or a pentagram over his left pectoral, which Castiel finds intriguing. He smiles out at the audience when he hears the screams of appreciation, the smile being a practiced grin, wide enough to show off his perfect teeth and dimples. Tyler bounces his way to the side of the stage in front of Castiel's table, taking a moment to glance down at the audience. When his eyes meet Castiel's, he pauses for a second, the plastic smile dropping off his face to be replaced briefly by the same warm, shy smile he'd given castiel in the hallway but he's turning away and bouncing to the other side of the stage before castiel has even had a chance to catch his breath his heart having stopped when their eyes met gabriel shouts what the hell was that did you just have a moment with dr sexy castiel hushes his brother without taking his eyes off of tyler The fake grin is plastered across his face again as he gyrates to the music. Once the song begins reaching its crescendo, Tyler's face becomes serious as he looks out at the audience, lips pouting as he narrows his eyes. He reaches down, grabs the legs of his scrub pants, and rips them off, the crowd roaring as he reveals a skimpy thong underneath. Castiel averts his eyes, suddenly embarrassed for the man, but he quickly looks back because the dancer is, quite simply, stunning. The only imperfection he may have, if one could call it that, is that he's a bit bow legged. But Castiel would never call that a fault, at least not on Tyler Page. It only makes him look more endearing, if such a thing were even possible. Tyler completes his routine, escaping behind the curtain to loud applause and whistles. Castiel stares after him, oblivious to Gabriel smirking beside him until his brother clears his throat and waves a hand in front of Castiel's face. Hello, Earth to Cass. Castiel shakes his head and blinks, clearing his thoughts of what he's just seen. Yes. Gabriel laughs. Oh, man, have you got it bad. Castiel can feel his cheeks flush, and he reaches for his glass quickly gulping down the last dregs of his beer. He feels Gabriel staring at him and tries to ignore him until his pulse slows down. He's aware that if he lets on to his brother just how affected he was by Tyler Page, Gabriel will never let him live it down. But after a few moments of shared silence, Gabriel pushes up. "'I need to go hit the head,' he announces as he weaves through the other tables." Castiel heaves a sigh of relief, taking advantage of his brother's absence to get himself under control. The combination of the alcohol and nervousness of being in a public space, along with the mere existence of Tyler Page, has Castiel feeling lightheaded and confused, yet he finds he's surprisingly calm and content given the circumstances and surroundings. Of course... Gabriel is able to disrupt the calm as easily as a foot shuffling through an anthill. Castiel feels a slap on his shoulder as his brother returns to the table. Guess what I got for you, little bro. Castiel eyes the smug look on Gabriel's face suspiciously. Gabriel, what did you do? Turns out some of the dancers here give private dances in the VIP rooms in the back. And your lover boy is one of them. Castiel feels all the color drain out of his face as his jaw drops to the floor. He reaches for his pint, but noticing it's empty, he grabs Gabriel's glass instead, chugging the rest of the now-warm liquid down in panicked gulps. He wipes the foam off his mouth with the back of his hand once he's done, and stares at his brother incredulously. "'Gabriel, I can't go into that room,' he manages finally." He shakes his head as he's speaking, stops once he realizes it makes the room spin. "'Sure you can, Cass,' his brother picks up cheerfully. "'I explained to a waiter what your situation is, and I asked him what the layout was like. "'It's a normal room, about the size of your den, with a couch and chair. "'There's a table and some shelves, too, where the dancer hooks up his iPod or whatever for the music. "'You sit down on the chair or the couch, wherever you're comfortable,' The dancer comes in, asks if you have any requests, then he does his dance for you. Gabriel smirks. The dude said sometimes they'll do lap dances, sometimes not. It depends on what the dancer feels like doing. I'm guessing, by the way, Dr. Sexy checked you out, he'd be willing to climb in your lap. Gabriel grins at Castiel, looking very proud of himself. Castiel wants to slap the smile off his face. But Besides, he'd rather not get arrested for sibling abuse tonight. Gabe, I can't. Gabriel nods his head. You can and you will. When's the next time you're going to be in a situation like this? Knowing you, probably never. Take advantage of the chance to be spontaneous, for once. His face sobers for a moment. What's the worst that could happen, Cass? Castiel groans, biting his lip as he stares at the couples wrapped around each other on the dance floor near the bar okay. He rolls his eyes as Gabriel whoops and slaps him on the back. That's my boy.
2: You goofy, like, hey.
0: Turns out the worst that could happen is actually pretty damn bad. Gabriel accompanies Castiel down one of the hallways on the opposite side of the building from the bar, his voice a comforting drone. The waiter said the bouncer for the VIP rooms tonight is named Gordon. He said he's a big-time asshole, so just keep your mouth shut and do as he says. I've already paid for you, so I'm going to let him see me so he knows you've been paid for, and then I'm going back to our table. I'll be waiting for you once you're done." He slows Castiel to a halt just ahead of a door on the left, near the end of the corridor. A man Castiel assumes to be Gordon is guarding the door, a sour look on his face. He stares at them both stonily, waiting for them to speak. Gabriel clears his throat. This is my brother Cass. He'll be on the receiving end of the private dance I paid you for a few minutes ago, if you'll recall. Gordon stares at them both for several long seconds before speaking. "'Yeah, I remember you. What? You think I'm some freak who can't remember an asshole he spoke to ten minutes ago?' Gabriel puts on his best kiss-ass smile as he places his hand on the small of Castiel's back to steady him. "'Nope, not at all. Just wanted to be clear that the plans hadn't changed.' He pats Castiel between the shoulders. Cass, I'll be waiting for you back at the table. Try to enjoy yourself, okay?' He turns to walk away, and Castiel calls after him. Gabe, I think I shouldn't. You'll be fine, Cass. Gabriel calls after him as he makes his way to the end of the hall and back onto the main floor. It'll all be okay. Just live in the moment. Castiel turns and stares up into Gordon's unforgiving face. The man stands over him menacingly, probably just to let Castiel know that even though he's paid and passed muster, He's still under watchful eyes. Okay, so here's how it's going to go down. Gordon snarls. You're going to put your hands against the wall so I can frisk you. Then you'll sit down on the chair or the couch inside this room and wait for Paige. When he gets in there, you will have 20 minutes max with him. It may be less. He leers as he lets his gaze rake down Castiel's body. But it will most definitely not ever be more than twenty, no matter if you shoot your wad or not. So if that's your goal, don't be holding back for too long, otherwise you'll be screwed. And not in the good way. He grabs Castiel by the shoulder and swings him around to face the wall. Castiel yelping at the discomfort as the man squeezes his arm. Now's the time you put your hands on the wall, Einstein. Castiel does as he's told feeling more humiliated by the second. This isn't what he'd imagined it'd be. Not that he's ever really imagined anything like this before. But everything is so clinical and businesslike. He's not stupid. He knows this is a business transaction. But still. Spread your legs, man. Can't frisk you if you're clenched so tight you could shit a diamond. Cass is a split second away from calling the whole thing off and asking for Gabriel's money back. But thankfully, Gordon makes frisking as quick and painless as possible. All right, hotshot, let's get you in there and go over the rest of the rules. He slaps Castiel on the back as he reaches around him to open the door. And Castiel walks in ahead of him, gulping as he hears the door closing behind him. Take a seat. Castiel takes a moment to glance around the room. It's decorated sparingly, but lush all the same. The walls are painted red, with gold and purple trim, and there are pillows and soft throws tossed around on tables and chairs throughout. The floor is a black lacquered tile. There's a single large chair in the middle of the room, and a leatherette couch along the back wall. As much as Castiel may want to run for the safety of the couch, he gets the feeling Gordon meant for him to sit on the chair, so he sets himself down there. All right now the man declares importantly. Despite what you think, the dancer is the boss in this room. What he says goes. He doesn't take requests unless he tells you so. If you do or say something he doesn't like, he'll tell you once to stop it. If he has to tell you twice, it won't be him telling you. It'll be me. Gordon leans down, stares into Castiel's face so closely that their noses almost touch. Trust me when I say you don't want me to be the one telling you to stop. He straightens back up, and the biggest rule, the most important rule of them all, absolutely no touching. He stands there, staring down at Castiel. Any questions? Castiel looks up at him from under his lashes, refusing to give him the benefit of seeing him squirm any more than he already has. Absolutely none, he snaps. The demeanor on Gordon's face changes so abruptly that Castiel wonders if the man suffers from a multiple personality disorder. He grins and claps his hands loudly. Fantastic. Now I'm going to leave you to it. Tyler should be here in just a few more minutes. He turns to leave, but changes his mind as if he'd forgotten something. Oh, and one last thing. He walks over to the cabinet along the right side of the room, opening a door and pulling out a tan-colored towel. Here's a towel to put in your pants for the jizz. We're all about providing comfort here at Angels and Demons. Enjoy your session. Gordon gives him one last parting grin and a wink before turning to leave the room and slamming the door shut behind him. Yep, Castiel thinks, definitely multiple personalities. Castiel sits quietly, trying to make his head stop spinning so much as he waits for Tyler to enter. The more he concentrates on making things still, the more they spin, leaving him sweaty and nauseous. Thankfully, there's an air vent in the ceiling above his chair blowing a draft on his face. He closes his eyes, breathing in the cool air gratefully, even if it's rank with the taint of sweat and cigarette smoke. He hears a door click and opens his eyes to see Tyler Page enter from a door hidden in the shadows at the front of the room. He's wearing the medical scrubs from his routine, minus the white coat, and he doesn't look at Castiel as he walks the few steps to a sound system on the shelves off to the left, stopping to connect his iPod to the stereo. As he's playing with the gadget, he opens his mouth wide to yawn, glancing over in mid-yawn to where Castiel is sitting, He seems surprised to find Castiel there and staring at him, and he blushes, looking down at the floor before quickly returning Castiel's gaze. Sorry, man, it's not you. I'm just a bit tired. He smiles that same warm smile that Castiel has been rewarded with twice, stirring the butterflies in Castiel's stomach to a frenzied pace. So, uh, is there any kind of music you prefer? I don't have a shit ton of it, but I think I got a pretty decent selection. He fidgets some more with his iPod, and Castiel has to clear his throat a couple of times before he finds his voice. No, just whatever you'd prefer. He finally manages to croak. Tyler nods and settles on a slow song, a classic rock tune that Castiel recognizes. He watches as Tyler begins to casually sway to the music, Gliding his hands along his stomach, teasing the hymn up ever so languidly. He keeps his eyes closed as he dances, face serious in concentration and lips pursed. The beat of the song is quite different from that in his performance earlier, a slow seduction as the singer croons. Castiel's breathing is rapid, but he sits completely still, hypnotized by the man before him. He spares a quick thought to the fact that he must look like a cobra mesmerized by the snake charmer before him as he feels his phantom sway is mirroring Tyler's, then chuckles to himself as he realizes that this could be considered another type of snake charmer. Tyler steps closer to Castiel as the music ends, opening his eyes to smile down at Castiel with that same soft curve of lips from before. He studies Castiel's face for a few moments before murmuring, So, would you like a lap dance? Castiel feels his eyes go wide as his heart and stomach both seize up. What? He croaks, and he jumps as the next song begins to play, another classic rock song, louder, faster and more suggestive than the one before. Tyler grins. A lap dance, he repeats. You know, I sit in your lap, take things to the next level. His gaze wanders up and down Castiel's body, and Castiel can feel his face and neck flushing hot, his palms clammy from sweat. It's suddenly very hard to breathe in the room, the atmosphere is stifling, and he wonders if they turn the air off because it's hot and humid, and it's making him feel very sick to his stomach very quickly. No, I think that wouldn't be a very good idea, he manages to mutter. He stares at the table opposite, wondering when they managed to get two of everything into the room without him noticing. Come to think of it, there are two Tylers in the room now too, which normally might not be such a bad thing, but Castiel is getting the feeling that tonight it means something very bad indeed. He watches as Tyler shrugs and says, "'Your loss,' before beginning to dance to the music again. Castiel does his best to focus on Tyler, but all he can see is the spinning of the room, faster and faster. He finally is able to pinpoint Tyler through all the glaring movement, long enough to watch Tyler's slender fingers pull the drawstring from his pants and begin to push the waistband down. And then, before he really figures out what the barrel roll in the pit of his stomach is signaling, Castiel vomits all over the floor between himself and the man in front of him. He heaves several times, bringing up everything he's eaten and drunk for what might be the last six months if the quantity is anything to go by and he doubles over, arms wrapped around himself as his stomach threatens to turn itself inside out. He can hear someone curse a rough, holy fucking shit! But he's so busy alternating holding on to what's left and willingly hurling up everything ever that he can't hear anything else or even open his eyes to look around him. As if he's hearing it from a very long distance away and through a tunnel, Castiel becomes aware of a muffled scraping, the sound of something moving across the floor. A small plastic trash can is shoved under his face, between his legs, and suddenly he can feel a hand tentatively touching his shoulder, making its way slowly down his back, a gentle, steadying motion. Castiel keeps retching until there's nothing left in his stomach, dry heaving a few times for good measure before his gut finally begins to stop its churning. All through it, the hand continues to rub small, soothing circles along his spine as Castiel groans, his head feeling as if it's splitting in two. Shh, it's okay. Just relax and let it all out. A voice murmurs beside him. Concentrate on your breathing. In through your mouth, out through your nose. That way you don't smell the puke. Tyler Page, Castiel recalls in horror. In the next second, he hears the other man shift away, and almost instantly he misses the warmth and reassurance of having him pressed close, the comfort of his hand against his back. He doesn't dare open his eyes yet, but he can hear Tyler opening a drawer across the room, as well as what sounds like the pop of a plastic bottle or lid. Before he has time to wonder what the man is doing, Castiel feels himself settle down beside him once again, and a cool, damp cloth is suddenly pressed to his brow. The hand returns to trace circles along his spine again, and between that and Tyler's other hand, holding the washcloth against his forehead, Castiel finds himself inadvertently cocooned in the man's arms. My little brother always told me a cool, wet towel. Helps clear your head and make your stomach settle. Tyler mutters against his shoulder. Castiel takes several deep, cleansing breaths. Yes, I do believe it is helping, he whispers. He opens his eyes, spies the mess he made on the floor, and feels his stomach turn over again. Whoa, whoa, easy there, dude. Don't look at the floor. Just come over here to the couch. Let's get you away from the spewage. Tyler coaxes Castiel up from his chair and guides him the few paces to the couch. He sinks down alongside Castiel and continues rubbing his back. Castiel can feel Tyler's eyes on him and waits to hear what he's working up to say. Look, uh, didn't I see you here with somebody? Castiel slowly turns his head to look Tyler in the eyes, doing his best to keep the world from spinning again. Yes, my brother he wheezes. Gabriel, he's waiting for me at our table. Tyler shoots him a reassuring smile. Great. Maybe I should go out and get him, have him come in here and take you home. Does that sound like a good idea to you? Castiel tries to return the smile, but he fears the result is watery at best. Yes, I think that would be wise. Tyler stands up to leave but Castiel grabs his wrist before he can walk away. I'm so, so sorry for this, he says weakly. I was just so nervous, and I'm not used to drinking that much, and I had taken medicine earlier that... Hey, dude, it's okay, trust me. Tyler looks down at him, that half-smile that Castiel has quickly grown so fond of making a reappearance. I always like it when people surprise me. And it doesn't happen often enough. Plus, I bet Gordon has never cleaned up this kind of bodily fluid before. It's almost worth it to see the look on his face when he walks in. He pauses, staring down at Castiel before putting a hand up to card fingers hesitantly through Castiel's hair, wiping the sweat-soaked locks from Castiel's forehead. And then, without another word, he spins and strides away through the door. Several minutes pass, Castiel sitting with his face in his hands, soaking in the relative quiet and trying to regain his composure. He jumps when he hears the door swing open, Gabriel bellowing, "'Little bro, when I said what's the worst that can happen, it wasn't a challenge for you to prove me wrong!' Castiel groans, slowly raising his head to look at his brother. He notices with disappointment, though no surprise, that tyler page is nowhere to be seen gabriel please take me home he groans he closes his eyes and covers his face with his hands again as he hears gabriel chuckle yeah yeah if only you were casey saying that to me the night would be ending perfectly
2: do the do again. They say, for me, Chapter 2 for me. Oh, oh, oh.
0: Trolls beating drums to the tunes of hip-hop music is not one of Castiel's preferred ways to wake up in the morning. Neither is waking to a room which is obviously on the surface of the sun or finding a fistful of cotton balls stuffed in one's mouth. Awakening to what feels like all three states simultaneously is akin to one of Dante's outer circles of hell. Castiel sits up, panicking and arms flailing, to music blaring from somewhere in his bedroom. He attempts to open his eyes, groaning in pain, as white light momentarily blinds him, and makes his head feel as if knives are cutting in through his skull and twisting gashes into his gray matter. Not knowing which offense to rectify first, he struggles to free himself of his bedsheets, only managing to get his legs more tangled and falling with a thump onto the hardwood floor. With his eyes scrunched tightly shut, he crawls his way to the windows, reaching up to feel blindly for the cord, yanks it so hard he almost expects to pull the whole arrangement down onto his head as he blankets the room in merciful darkness. He's careful to keep his head as steady as he can as he stands and feels his way around the room until he finds the source of the loud music. His alarm clock, moved from its usual perch on his nightstand to a corner on the opposite side of the room, "'hidden underneath his coat "'and tuned into a hip-hop station "'with the volume on maximum. "'Gabriel. "'As he crawls back under the covers, "'Castiel tries to remember "'why Gabriel was in his room last night "'and how he could have done these things "'without Castiel noticing. "'Is Gabriel also responsible for how awful I feel?' "'he wonders. "'He doesn't understand how it could be Gabriel's fault.' but doesn't know how else to explain everything. It feels almost like a hangover. But the last time Castiel drank enough to warrant a hangover was years ago. Oh Oh my God. 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 Castiel suddenly remembers everything from last night. The whole evening flashing before his eyes so fast and with such clarity that he's forced to scramble over the edge of his bed, reaching desperately for his trash can before vomiting pitifully. He's surprised there's anything left in his stomach, given how much he'd rid himself of at Tyler Page's feet last night. But then he remembers Gabriel forcing him to drink water and eat a slice of toast before putting him to bed. That explains why Gabriel chose to torture him with the music and the sunshine. He can never let a good deed go without a prank or two to offset it. Lying with his head and arm hanging off the side of the bed, Castiel closes his eyes and prays that what he's recalling from last night before is, in fact, just some horrid nightmare that Gabriel found a way to inject into his brain as another prank gone awry. But he knows it's not. He knows that everything he's remembering actually did happen, and he's horrified to realize that his first outing in months went so terribly wrong. Why do these things always seem to happen to him? How is it that millions of people can function in public every day without panic attacks and without embarrassing themselves? Yet he can't even go out once without having a near-complete meltdown and puking in the lap of what was probably the most alluring man he'd ever met in years. Castiel whimpers, his head throbbing in pain and his stomach roiling in sympathy. He pulls the covers over his head and wraps his arm around a pillow, wallowing in self-pity before falling back into an uneasy sleep. Three hours later, Castiel wakes feeling much more rested and like himself again. He chooses to continue on with his morning routine, as if he'd gotten up at his usual early time, deliberately not thinking about the disaster of last night. He makes his way into the kitchen and gets a pot of coffee brewing, before slicing fresh cantaloupe and strawberries onto a plate. Stomach still feeling a little nauseous, he decides to add a couple of slices of dry toast to his usual morning breakfast. He sets his plate and mug of coffee on the kitchen table before retrieving the morning paper from his doorstep. The apartment feeling too quiet, he powers up his computer and chooses his Sunday morning mix to play in the background as he reads, a calming mix of music that he usually saves for lazy, rainy Sunday mornings. He's feeling too vulnerable and raw today, so he needs whatever he can find to stabilize and soothe him. As he's catching up on the morning headlines, he can hear his computer chiming to notify him of new emails received. And after 45 minutes of listening to email after email arriving in his inbox, curiosity gets the better of him. He pours himself another cup of coffee and sits down at his laptop, scrolling through his inbox to find three emails from Pamela and two from Gabriel, among others. Denial he thinks. It isn't just a river in Egypt, after all. He decides to get his morning chores out of the way first, adding strawberries, spinach, coffee, and eggs to his grocery list for the week before placing his order online. One of the perks of living in this day and age is the ease with which one can become a recluse, he muses. He can order everything he needs online, have anything his heart desires within reason, and all without ever leaving the comfort and safety of his home. His inner voice snorts, Not everything your heart desires. But he ignores it, sifts through his other emails, trashing the spam, and succinctly answering those that require replies. Taking a deep breath then, he opens the first of Pamela's emails, sighing over her pleas to tell her that he started writing the first chapter. How many more ways can I tell you? He murmurs out loud. He doesn't know what else to say to her. He would give anything to feel inspiration strike, to be able to write down the words that so desperately need to be written. He wishes he could lie, say that yes, the ideas are finally beginning to develop. Yes, He'll be sending her this first chapter sooner rather than later, but he's never been a very good liar, especially not to someone he values as a friend. He opens her next email and nearly chokes when he reads it. From, Pamela at HalflightPublishing.com, to Castiel at Gmail.com. You went out last night. To a strip club. I need details, all of the details. Almost afraid to open it, he scrolls to Pamela's last email, cursing to himself as he sees what's written. From Pamela Dot at HalflightPublishing dot com to Castiel Dot at Gmail dot com. So Gabe says you puked all over Doctor Sexy but that you were close to being able to wear a the-doctor-is-in sign on your ass. Get over your hangover and give me the deets, honeybee. Pam. Rubbing his palm over his eyes, Castiel wonders what he did in a past life that deserves something as painful and dangerous as Gabriel and Pamela becoming friends and actually talking to each other about him. He scrolls down to Gabriel's first email. From sugarlip 69 at gmail.com to castiel.novac at gmail.com. Hey, Cass. Hope my hangover wake-up alarm didn't kill you, but how could I resist? You make my job as a big brother too easy sometimes. Don't forget to hydrate when you wake up, and send Pamela an email. Poor kid is worried about you. Gabe. His heart drops to the floor as he opens Gabriel's second email. From sugarlip 69 at gmail.com to castiel.novac at gmail.com. Almost forgot. I snuck a pic of Dr. Sexy with my phone last night. Thought it might give you a happy. See attached. Happy masturbating. Your loving and selfless brother, Gabriel. The picture is grainy and dim due to the lighting of the club, but it's clear who the subject is nonetheless. Gabriel must have taken it when Tyler went to find him after Castiel was sick. Castiel recognizes the hallway to the VIP room, and Tyler is walking in front of the camera, but he's turned and facing it, mouth twisted and a smile that isn't as warm and amused as the smile he's used to seeing. It isn't the smile he gives to Castiel. Castiel doesn't know what is more worrisome. The fact that his heart is fluttering just from looking at a picture of this man? Or the fact that he's already come to think of a particular smile as his? Castiel decides to continue his attempt at keeping his routine as normal as possible, by taking his daily jog on the treadmill. Opening the blinds to the sunlight is nowhere near as painful as waking up to it this morning, and he's pleased to see that the day is still bright and beautiful. He stares down at the park across the street as he runs, imagining, as always, that he's outside, enjoying the fresh air and the smell of freshly mown grass, instead of cooped up inside his apartment. He watches as a distant child tries to fly his kite, failing at his first attempts to get enough wind under it to give it flight, throwing the kite onto the ground and stomping away. The child's father picks the kite up, takes it a few steps further into a bigger clearing between the trees, and begins jogging with the kite's spine held up between his fingers and behind his head. As soon as the kite pulls away from the man's hands and begins its ascent, The child jumps up and down, arms up in celebration. Castiel can feel his heart clench at the sweetness of the scene before him, and he looks away quickly before the feeling can become too bittersweet. He heads to the shower once his run is over, remaining under the beating of the water much longer than necessary, luxuriating in the steaminess and the feeling of a much-needed rejuvenation. And if he wants to dwell on thoughts of green eyes and broad, tan shoulders, that's entirely up to him. Feeling much more like himself once again, Castiel makes his way into his office and takes his seat behind the desk, turning on his computer. He stares at that same evil, blinking cursor again for what seems like hours, mind strained to last night, his thoughts setting squarely on Tyler Page. How does a person find himself with a job like that, he wonders. Tyler seemed at times uncomfortable and awkward, almost as if he didn't want to be there. The yawn that Castiel saw might be evidence for that theory as well. But at other times, he seemed to be enjoying himself, feeding off the audience's cheers and support. There was a vulnerability there that Castiel finds intriguing. How much could one make in a night of dancing? Castiel supposes if a dancer is attractive enough, he could make quite a bit, especially off of the private dances. He has no clue how much Gabriel paid for his own VIP experience, but he doesn't doubt that it was substantial, given just how up close and personal the dances can potentially get. What kind of life would one have to lead to become a dancer? Is the life as glamorous as one is led to believe? Castiel thinks not, as he remembers his first encounter with Tyler, eyes closed and voice upset as he spoke with someone on the phone outside the bathroom. How can one go from an upsetting moment like that to smiling and dancing and taking off their clothes for onlookers just minutes later? What could have had Tyler so upset? In those few moments while Castiel was sick, Tyler was so warm and comforting, his touch a balm as he rubbed Castiel's back. And suddenly it occurs to Castiel that it's one of the few times he can remember that he hasn't tensed up and panicked when someone touches him. Instead, he was calmed by it. Granted, it could have been because he was feeling so violently ill at the time, but Castiel doesn't believe that was entirely the reason. Tyler seemed to know exactly how to provide comfort, knew just what Castiel needed. Castiel finds himself wondering how Tyler became so experienced in such a thing, providing security and a reassurance that seemed almost parental. I want to see you again, he hears himself say out loud, But at almost the same time, a wave of anxiety washes over him at the thought of going out in public. How can he work up the nerve to go back there, by himself, to such a crowded public place, and after the humiliation that he suffered? He has no clue how he can manage it. All he knows at that moment is that he has to find a way. I have to see you again, he says. It takes Castiel two weeks to summon the courage to return to Angels and Demons. Not only to summon the courage, but to plan the expedition as well. He'll be driving himself this time, on a Friday night as before. In the hopes that everything will be as similar as possible to his first visit, thereby diminishing the risk of surprises, he plots the route to avoid traffic hot spots, calls the nightclub to inquire about their parking arrangements, and is dismayed to learn that the arrangements are sparse at best. There's a small lot to one side of the building, but no other options besides scouring the downtown area for a lot that's open or a parking garage. Castiel does what he can to map out all the possible opportunities within a three-block radius of the club, and tells himself that if a space isn't available in any of those areas, then he'll just turn around and go home. Three days before his return to the club, he wakes at dawn and makes his way to the underground garage. He knows the last time he drove his car, there was very near a quarter of a tank of fuel left. Rationally, he's aware he'll have plenty of gas to make the ten-minute trek to the club, but he still can't help worrying that for some unforeseen reason he'll run out of fuel and be left stranded in the middle of the night. He drives out of the garage and across the deserted street, giving a silent prayer of thanks that he seems to be ahead of the early morning rush. Even so, he still finds himself wincing when a car approaches the fuel pump opposite him as he's filling up his own tank. No matter how empty and quiet and safe a street may seem, the knowledge that it can all change within a second keeps Castiel on edge until he's safely back at his condo. Friday finally arrives, and Castiel's anxiety increases to a level he hasn't felt in many months. No matter how anxious he becomes, though, he's determined to go through with the trip. He needs to prove to himself that he can do this. And a part of him also wants to determine whether his interest in Tyler Page is deserved or if the haze of alcohol painted a prettier picture than reality called for. He begins his preparations for the evening at an absurdly early hour. He showers, then stands in front of the mirror, "'shaving and scowling to himself "'because he knows he'll have the beginnings "'of a five o'clock shadow within the hour anyway. "'He spends another half hour "'studying the layout of the club that Gabriel had given him, "'then making sure he has the driving route "'and locations of all parking lots "'and garages in the area memorized. "'Once he's as satisfied as he'll ever be "'that the routes and maps are etched in his brain, He grabs his keys and shrugs on his trench coat. As soon as the coat is wrapped around him, he feels better. He's never been able to explain it to anyone or even really to be able to understand it himself. But the coat has always made him feel protected and stronger, almost as if it's a shield to keep him safe. His therapist suggested that it's the little kid in him, fantasizing that the coat is his superhero cape. Castiel doesn't really care, so long as it continues to provide comfort and a feeling of safety. The drive to the club is an uneventful one. Traffic is heavy, as he expected, but not overwhelmingly so. The one problem Castiel encounters is his attempt to find a parking space, but after some time he does locate one in the parking garage a block over. As he walks to the club, He's relieved to discover that the street is very well lit and, though busy, not frantic and distracting. Entering the club is a different story, though. He's greeted with the now familiar thumping of music as he walks through the corridor of stars. As he reaches the end of it, he can hear hooting and catcalls over the music, and the hallway opens onto a crowd that is significantly larger than last time so large that Castiel freezes for a moment of regret that he drove here, and more than one beer isn't an option. His eyes scan the room until he spots an empty table to his left, far away from the stage and in the shadows. He makes his way quickly to that corner before anyone else can grab the table. It's exactly what he was hoping to find, a small nook set back from the crowd and the stage, a place where he can watch unnoticed by anyone. Once settled, he allows his gaze to roam the room as he attempts to get his breathing under control. This experience is far different from his first time here, with Gabriel and a belly full of booze acting as a buffer between him and the world. Welcome to Angels and Demons! What can I get for you tonight? Castiel jumps as he hears the loud voice yell beside him glances up to see a thin scruffy looking young man with sad eyes and a nervous demeanor he's not wearing the usual garb of most waiters here instead of a halo and wings or demon horns and red or black lipstick he's wearing what looks almost to be a toga from shoulder to ankle in long flowing robes castiel replies i um i suppose i'll have a beer The waiter sighs. Well, we've got I don't even know how many different kinds of beer. Are you looking for imported, domestic, bottled, tap? Whatever's good on tap is fine. Just, I don't care. Just surprise me. Castiel can feel the man studying him suspiciously, but he keeps his focus on the dance floor and breathes a sigh of relief as he watches the man turn and walk away from the corner of his eye. There's no performer on stage yet, and Castiel idly wonders if they're between performances or if none have started yet for the evening. There's a raucous group of women who seem to have commandeered three of the tables in front of the stage, including the table that Castiel and Gabriel had occupied on their first visit here. Instead of calming them down, though, the scantily clad waiters seem to be encouraging them further and Castiel can't help but wonder how much that must help everyone's tips, waiters, bartenders, and dancers alike. It must be a fine line to walk, though. If the patrons get too intoxicated, they might just forget to tip. He catches a movement in his direction out of the corner of his eye and sees his waiter rushing towards him from the bar, balancing a tray with a large mug of frothy beer on one hand. Castiel attempts a small smile at the man, but fears it develops into more of a grimace instead. He mumbles a word of thanks as the waiter sets the glass on the table, but the waiter hovers even so, clearing his throat in a way that sounds uncertain. But the waiter hovers even so, clearing his throat in a way that sounds uncertain. "'I'm sorry, am I supposed to pay now?' Castiel prods cautiously. I assumed I'd get a check, or you'd wait to see if I need anything else, or something. He allows his words to trail off, silently encouraging the man to say whatever he's hovering there to say, so that he can be left alone in peace again. The waiter's reply is high-pitched enough to be nervous. Um, what? No, oh, no, no. You can just pay me later. I just, I mean, uh, I was wondering... Didn't you come in here a couple of weeks ago with another dude you said up front? Castiel can feel the bottom drop out of his stomach and his breath quickening. Does everyone at the club know what happened to him in the VIP room? Is he a laughingstock? Yes, he concedes reluctantly. I did with my brother. Why do you ask and how did you know? He's almost too afraid to find out for sure, but he has to know. He has to know if Tyler Page has been laughing about him with everyone all this time. The waiter laughs nervously. Oh, I just, I'm the guy that talked to your brother about reserving the table up front and about not letting anyone bother you while you were here. I mean, I talked to him at first, but then he saw Candy walk by, and he said he'd rather talk to her about it, so yeah. Castiel heaves a sigh of relief, so maybe Tyler hasn't told anyone about it, or at least not everyone. Oh, well, yes, that was me. He watches as the man fidgets more, but still doesn't move to leave. Was there something else you wanted to ask? The waiter stares at the table, eyes flitting up to meet Castiel's every couple of seconds. Um... Yeah, well, we're not supposed to do this with the patrons. We're supposed to be all cool. But aren't you Castiel Novak? Castiel can feel his eyes widen in shock. He's never been recognized before. Then again, he's never really had much opportunity, given how he never leaves his house. Yes, I am. How did you know? The man jumps excitedly in place. Dude, I am a huge fan of your Angel Warrior series. Castiel jumps back in his seat as the man darts his hand forward for a handshake. He stares down at the hand for a moment, before reluctantly offering up his own. My name's Chuck Shirley, by the way, the waiter babbles on. I really do love your writing, Mr. Novak. It's such an honor to meet you. He keeps pumping Castiel's hand in a shake, up and down, up and down for what feels to be about five minutes too long castiel finally begins to pull his hand away in an attempt to reclaim it and chuck seems to take the hint letting go and taking a step back i'm so sorry man i know you don't like interacting with people much trust me i get it i'd much rather be holed up at home wrapped up in my bathrobe and working on my own novel He smiles sheepishly at Castiel. So, how is it that you are working here and not hold up? Castiel can't help but ask, the man really doesn't fit with the stereotypical workforce of a club like this. Chuck grimaces, not all of us are as successful as you. I've got to pay the bill somehow, and since I don't so much fit in with your typical 9-to-5 workforce, I have to take what I can get. The owner of this club owed my dad a favor, so he hired me. He looks down at his robe and scoffs. Since I'm less washboard abs and more washline pull, they didn't want me wearing the tight shorts and walking around shirtless, thank God. So they made me the club's prophet. Come to me to see your future, or some shit like that. Castiel can't help but smile at the way Chuck describes his predicament. Well, I'm sure you'll find success at some point, given your colorful way with words, he notes. It's a platitude, a way to signal to Chuck that the conversation is ending and to please move on to his next customer. Unfortunately, the man clings to Castiel's words like a lifeline, his eyes widening in a way that looks hopeful. You think so? Do you think you could take a look at my novel? Tell me what you think? It's about these two brothers that drive across the country, fighting evil demons and ghosts and trying to find their dad and avenge their mom's death and... Chuck. The man stops rambling, his mouth hanging open in shock, as Castiel yells above the noise of the club, desperate to get his attention. Chuck, I'm very sorry, but I can't. I'm not allowed to do that. If I read your work and then later write something even remotely similar to something in your novel... I could be sued. Oh, I would never. Yes, I know you'd never do such a thing, but really, I couldn't possibly. As much as the excuse is a way for Castiel to dig himself out of this hole, it really is the truth. Pamela would skin him alive if she ever found out he'd read a fledgling writer's work. With the thought of Pamela, though, he gets an idea of how to appease the man, and get himself out of this conversation. You know, though, one thing I can do is give you the email address for my editor. She wouldn't usually read a manuscript that just gets sent to her office out of the blue. She lets her assistant do that. But if you email it to her and let her know I'm recommending you, then she might give it a chance. Chuck's face lights up. Really? Oh, dude, Mr. Novak, that... Please, Castiel says as he jots down Pamela's email address on a napkin. Call me Castiel. Dude, Castiel, thank you so much. This is a huge deal for me, really. Chuck stops, looks around them, and scowls. This place is a fucking meat market, and all this glitter and body oil and costumes, Jesus. He snatches the napkin out of Castiel's hand like it's his ticket out smiles whitely in the dim light is there anything else i can do for you beers on the house by the way it's the least i can do but don't you want to sit closer to the stage like before say the word and i'll kick that bachelorette party off your old table up front castiel shakes his head no 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 i much prefer staying back here out of the way and alone chuck nods as the realization dawns across his face Of course. You hate going out in public, so I bet a place like this is like a nightmare for you. Castiel sighs. I suppose you could say that, yes. So, why are you even here, then? It's not like the internet doesn't provide enough fodder for a recluse to be happy for years. Castiel hesitates, not wanting to reveal the true reason he's returned. I, I need to do some research for work. Are the angels going to be getting down and dirty with the humans in the next book, then? Chuck smirks. Smiling, Castiel says, This is for something different. Possibly a new book. I'm not sure yet. Okay, then. Say no more. Consider me your very own personal shield while you're here. I'll keep this corner as empty as possible for you. And if there's anything at all you need, don't hesitate to ask. Thank you, Chuck. I do appreciate it. Mercifully, Chuck turns to leave, weaving his way through the crowd around the dance floor and back to the bar on the other side of the room. Castiel takes a deep breath, watching as the room seems to vibrate with energy from the people dancing and the music thrumming. Just as he thinks it's getting too hot, the air thick with sweat and alcohol and cologne, he feels a breeze of cool air waft across him from the vents above when he glances up to search for where the breeze is originating. The lights dim and a loud voice over the loudspeaker welcomes the first dancer, Nick, to the stage as the devil himself. Predictably, the women of the bachelorette party scream the loudest as the blonde man dressed in leather and devil horns and carrying a pitchfork takes the stage. The man is older than Castiel was expecting, which comes as a bit of a surprise. And with his age comes a finesse and confidence that only a person who's been doing this for a few years can possess. He struts slowly about the stage, hips rolling to the sultry beats of the music. He clues in swiftly to the fact that the bachelorette party is tip central and stands on that side of the stage while he unzips his pants. Once he's yanked the pants off, He gets down on his knees and thrusts his barely-concealed crotch at the screaming women, his tongue flicking in sync with his thrusts. Castiel can understand how some might find that attractive, but for him it's a bit too obvious and practiced. He much prefers a performance that feels more genuine and sincere, and huffs to himself at the thought that any act in a place like this could be considered sincere. Once Nick has left the stage... G-string wedged full with dollar bills. Castiel sits through two more acts before Tyler Page hits the stage. He's beginning to worry that maybe Tyler isn't working tonight, when suddenly the lights dim once again, and there he is. Tonight he's a cowboy, and it suits him perfectly. Wearing cowboy boots, buttless leather chaps that flash the tanned globes of his ass every time he flicks up his brown duster, a tight-fitting button-down shirt, and a Stetson, the man looks as if he's just walked in from a saloon in the Old West. The music playing has a fast, dirty beat, and Tyler keeps the brim of his hat down low and hiding his face for most of the two verses. But at the last line of the second verse, he reaches his finger up and slowly tips his hat back, giving the audience a wink and a smirk before slinging the duster off. The crowd hoots enthusiastically and sings along to the chorus, eliciting a smile from Tyler. He begins to mouth the lyrics of the song along with the audience, biting his lower lip occasionally as he peers out into the blaring lights and the crowd beyond. Again, he's not the best dancer at the club, but he's a brilliant performer. He engages and responds to the crowd and his blushing whenever the crowd gets particularly rowdy is utterly endearing. As the song draws to a close, Tyler is left wearing nothing but his Stetson, a G-string, and his cowboy boots. As he leans over to accept dollar bills from the bachelorette table, one of the obviously drunker women bravely uses the opportunity to slide her hand up his stomach and along his chest, wrapping her fingers around his bicep and squeezing. Castiel feels such an overwhelming wave of jealousy at the sight that he has to stop himself from running across the room and slinging her away. The emotion shocks him, leaving him uneasy. He has only had one or two fumbled and short-lived relationships in his past, nothing ever going past the first few dates. But with every possible love interest and crush that he's had, he's never been the jealous type. Until now, it would seem. He chastises himself for even letting his feelings get to this point. Nothing will ever happen between him and Tyler Page, even if he found the nerve to solicit a private dance with him again. After the disaster of that first time, Tyler would probably recoil in dread if he saw Castiel again. Besides, Castiel has no evidence that Tyler Page is even interested in men. Sure, he doesn't seem to take issue with dancing for them, but it's a long stretch between being comfortable with men staring at him with lust and him returning that stare with lust as well. Castiel watches as Tyler leaves the stage, and he's so deep in thought he just barely refrains from yelping when someone looms up beside him. So, uh, you enjoy Tyler's routine, huh? Chuck is standing there again, smiling. Castiel shifts in his seat uncomfortably, his heart jackhammering so loudly behind his ribs, he thinks it's possible the waiter might even be able to hear it. Yes, he was very entertaining. He doesn't elaborate, hoping it will discourage the man from trying to continue the conversation further. It's not that Castiel doesn't like Chuck. It's just that his people skills are rusty at best. He's never been one for small talk, especially in situations where he's uneasy, which, to be honest, is almost every situation where he would find himself needing to make small talk. You know, uh he does private dances. Like, in a back room? In private. If you're into that sort of thing. Yes. Castiel's voice is an octave higher than his usual gravelly tone, and Chuck looks at him slightly alarmed. Castiel clears his throat and makes a concerted effort to steady himself. Yes, I was aware of that, but I don't think I'm interested this evening. Oh, okay, but hey, I hear Tyler's a cool guy and all, although he's kind of intimidating, so I don't talk to him much. But if you ever want to get a private dance, you let me know and I'll set you up. Castiel nods and can't help but ask, how much would a dance cost? Uh, last I heard, he's pulling in about a 150 bucks per dance. Chuck rolls his eyes. Yeah, I keep telling myself I need to start working out so I can start making the big bucks. But who am I kidding, right? The only people who'd pay to watch me strip are ones with a scrawny geek boy fetish. And even then, it's pushing it. Anyway, you just let me know if you change your mind. Castiel forces a smile and even manages to make it friendly. Actually, I think I'll be leaving now. I've quite a bit of writing to do. Of course. Man, if you ever need anyone to bounce ideas off of, you come find me. Chuck swipes a hand across his eyes. But of course, you're you, so you'd never need an idiot like me helping you out. I'm sorry. I'm just a little hyped about meeting you. It's fine, Chuck. I appreciate your kind words. Castiel reassures him. Okay, so uh, you have a good night. And please visit us again soon. You'll always be welcome here. Like, more welcome than other customers are. You know, like, really welcome. But not like in a Kathy Bates kind of way. I don't plan on hobbling you anytime soon or anything. And I'm just gonna shut up and leave now. Chuck backs away quickly and turns to walk through the crowd. Castiel watches him go and spends the next ten minutes working up the courage to get up from the table and make his way out of the club into his car. He uses thoughts of Tyler Page as a distraction from his anxiety, and before he knows it, he's safely in his car and driving home. From Pamela.Barnes at HalflightPublishing.com to castiel.novac at gmail.com. Cass, I need an update on that chapter. If you keep ignoring me, you know I won't hesitate to jump on a plane and harass you in person. Check in with me, sugar lips. Pam. From castiel.novac at gmail.com to Barnes at halflightpublishing.com. com Pam. I'm sorry, I haven't been ignoring you. I was just dreading telling you that I've decided to put the book on hold for now. This isn't permanent by any means. And a possible silver lining to this is that I think I may have found a new story, or muse, if you will. I've been doing a small bit of research on it, but I plan to begin researching in earnest this week. Do I need to prepare a formal letter of some sort to present to your boss? something that promises I'm not going back on my contract. And maybe if I don't produce something from this new project within six months or so that I'll return to the Angel series. Let me know what the next step may be. Yours, Castiel. From Pamela.Barnes at HalflightPublishing.com to Castiel.novac at Gmail.com Calling you right now, you better answer your damn phone. Castiel sighs as he reads Pamela's latest email, and before he can finish the breath, he hears his cell phone ringing in his bedroom. He answers it before it can go to voicemail, not wanting to upset her even more than she already is. Hello, Pamela. Cass, what the hell is going on with you? You've never had this much difficulty writing before. And now, all of a sudden, you're saying you want to forget about the angels and write something else? What's happened? Castiel settles back on his couch, prepared for the long conversation that this will inevitably turn into. Pam, I just... I've hit some sort of wall with the angels. I can't see past this. My original plan of where this was going next doesn't ring true to me anymore but I can't think of an alternative. The woman's sigh crackles down the line. But Cass, you have a responsibility to hold up your end of the contract. I'm looking at it right now, and it says here that I know that, and I have every intention of doing so, but I can't force this. Castiel swipes a hand through his hair, keeps going before he's interrupted with legal ease. Don't you think it would serve the story if I took a step back? got some perspective, and focused on something else temporarily? Aren't you always telling me to get out and change my viewpoint for a while? That it might help me gain a new perspective? How is this any different from that, other than the length of time? There's silence for several seconds before Pam says, Okay, let's say this gets approved, and I'm not saying it will, because Zach is a grade-A jackass and he might turn us down without even hearing us out. But if he approves it, then what next? What's this new muse of yours? Castiel pauses, hesitant to say the words out loud, because when he does, it'll mean he's serious about this, both to Pam and to himself. It's, I'm intrigued by exotic dancers, why they do what they do, and what kind of lives they've led to get them to that point. Their mentality on the relationship with their customers. What kind of lifestyle they lead outside of their job. I'd like to do some exploring on it. The reply is deadpan. Wow. When you deviate from your norm, you swing for the fences, don't you? I don't really understand that reference. Pam laughs. It means you go all out to be as different as you can. You're going from a long series about angels and a war in heaven to writing about strippers. That's a pretty fucking drastic change. I wouldn't be surprised if some of your fans sue for whiplash. Do you think it's a bad idea? Even Castiel can hear the insecurity in his voice. Oh no, quite the contrary. If done well, I think this could go over like gangbusters. Is this going to be fiction or non-fiction? It's something Castiel hasn't really considered, and he hesitates as he thinks on it now, concludes that the idea of writing an exposé into the industry leaves him cold. I don't want it to be sterile, he muses. I don't want it to be cold. I want warmth, sincerity. So, I think, depending on the amount of personal experience and information I can get, that I'd like to make it fiction. Pam chuckles, disbelief evident in her voice. Personal experience? That's warm, sincere personal experience, I assume. So, does this mean you're planning on getting in some one-on-one time at a strip club? Yes, actually, Castiel retorts tartly. I've already visited a club twice so far, and am planning on more visits in the near future. He leans his head along the back of the couch. Eyes closed as he waits for Pam to digest this information. Twice? Is this the place your brother made you go to? Yes, it was quite an interesting experience. Pam snorts, obviously. Is there a dancer in particular from what you hope to glean information? Um, yes. I knew it, she crows. You're looking to get your freak on, and you're using your work as an excuse to do it. The smugness in Pam's voice grates on Castiel's nerves, but he ignores it. No, Pam, I assure you, he wouldn't be interested in me for anything other than as a paying customer, especially not after our first encounter. Oh, so this is the dude you puked on. Don't sell yourself short, Cass. You can be pretty fucking adorable and sexy, even if you're spewing chunks all over the place. Groaning, Castiel says. Nevertheless, odds are I may just have to do remote research. I'm not sure I'll have the nerve to purchase another private dance. Nuh-uh, no way, Cass. You go investigate that hot piece of ass. You investigate it hard and thoroughly and leave it begging for more. Pam. Pam spits out between giggles. You have my professional consent, Cass. Go forth and delve deep. Ram your inquisitive nature right into his... Hanging up now. No, wait, seriously, though. How are you able to do this? You know, go out and into a public place? Especially a crowded one like that. It must be one of the worst situations for you, given everything. Sighing, Castiel thinks before replying... I had to plan it out completely. My route, where to park. I studied the layout of the club. And even then, it took a while for me to work myself up to it. I bet the drugs don't hurt, she needles. I'm not on a maintenance medication at the moment, Castiel says quietly. I just take supplement anxiety meds as needed. And plenty of alcohol, right? I think I learned my lesson with that the first time I went there castiel snorts besides i drive myself so i can't drink more than maybe a beer especially with my prescription pam's voice is serious as she says well Cass, i gotta say i'm impressed i was beginning to think you'd never leave your place again at least not without force and now look at you you're leaving on your own terms and without any help kudos to you castiel smiles thank you pamela It helps as incentive to remind myself that I'm doing this for my job. And I'm sure that stud muffin taking his clothes off for you has nothing to do with it. I told you, Pam, there's nothing going on there. Right. Email me ASAP with a summary of what you want to do. So I'll have something to show Zach when I give him the bad news. I will. And Pamela, thank you. I appreciate your friendship and your confidence in me. Signed, Pamela says before hanging up. Yeah, yeah, just keep that in mind when I start busting your balls for the first chapter of your stripper reveal. Castiel smiles as he ends the call. Castiel returns to the club Friday night, and it's somehow fractionally easier to venture outdoors. The drive is less white-knuckle, and the after-work throngs he has to thread his way through between the parking lot and his destination are less intimidating. Still, he's relieved to find Chuck on the clock when he arrives. Mr. Novak, I mean, Castiel, it's good to see you back again. He hails as Castiel takes a seat at the same table as last week. Thank you, Chuck. If you don't mind, I'd like another beer. Same as last week. Castiel replies, hoping to cut out any small talk by giving the waiter a task. The man runs off eagerly enough to do his bidding, and Castiel spares a moment to feel guilt for wanting to be rid of him so soon. He reasons that the effort of making himself leave his home and go out into the world takes so much energy out of him that he doesn't have much left for social interaction and he's well aware that tonight will probably wear him down even further. Chuck returns with a mug of beer in hand. Here you go, same as last week. He slides the beer in front of Castiel. You know, if you want, you can call ahead and ask them to reserve this table for you. That way you don't have to worry about whether or not you'll be forced to sit more out in the open. Castiel feels a rush of affection for the strange man. I appreciate that, Chuck. Would it be possible to just have a standing reservation for this table for Friday nights? Oh, hell yeah, it would. Honestly, this table isn't really in high demand, so it won't be a problem. I'll go ahead and make a note of it. Chuck turns to leave, but Castiel grits his teeth, clenches his fist, and calls after him, words racing out of him rapid fire before his nerves fail. Chuck, one more thing. Would it be possible to arrange a private dance with Tyler Page for this evening? Chuck's eyebrows meet his hairline, but he doesn't reveal more surprise than that. Yeah, of course. I'll give Gordon a heads up. I appreciate it. Thank you, Chuck. Chuck nods and backs away, leaving Castiel to his beer and his anxiety. Oh,
2: oh. I never seen anybody do that thing you do.
0: An hour and a half later, Castiel finds himself standing in front of Gordon. The man doesn't seem to remember him from his first visit to the VIP room, which Castiel finds initially to be reassuring given the cleanup afterwards. Unfortunately, it means the man walks Castiel through the same intimidating spiel as before while Castiel stands with his hands on the wall in front of him and his legs apart for frisking. Gordon leads him into the room pausing to take a look around to make sure everything meets his requirements. Okay, so the dancer is the boss in this room. What he says goes. If I hear any complaints from... Yes, I understand. I've heard this before. Castiel jumps in. I won't cause any problems for anyone. Gordon steps up to him, staring into his eyes and gritting his teeth. Oh, Mr. Know-it-all, huh? So you've done this before. Let me tell you something, okay? Until I remember you and know you're chill or the dancer tells me to do otherwise, you're going to have to listen to my fine speech-making skills. And if you don't like that, you can take your skinny ass on out of here. Capiche? As uncomfortable as he is with this man up in his face and staring him down, Castiel does not back away. He tries to hold eye contact with him until Gordon looks away, but he's unable to prevent his eyes from glancing to the wall behind him. There's only so much confrontation he can stand for one evening, and he feels like he may need to hold on to what fortitude he has left for later. Yes, I understand. He mumbles. Gordon smiles at him, smacking his gum as he continues on with the rules of the room. Once finished... He leaves Castiel alone to his thoughts while he waits for Tyler. He gathers his wits and wanders around the room, trying to get an idea of what kind of stories this room would be able to tell if it had a voice. So many dances being performed for individuals. So much desire longing to be fulfilled. He wonders for how many people this room would represent the end goal for desire sated. And for how many this is just one way to scratch the never-ending itch? How many are able to pretend that this relationship is reciprocated? And how many are keenly aware that this is nothing more than a business transaction? His thoughts are interrupted by the sound of a door opening. He turns to find Tyler Page entering the room, wearing the fireman's costume he'd shed during his routine earlier in the night. Tyler's eyes widen in surprise and recognition. Hey, you. I was wondering if you'd ever show up again. The smile gracing his face is teasing and light, pulling forth a blush and answering smile from Castiel. I was almost too embarrassed to come back, Castiel admits, but I wanted to at least offer my apologies before slinking off into the night again. He's proud of his voice for not wavering once during that sentence, even if his pulse has quickened. Tyler laughs. Nah, man, it's okay. Trust me when I say that is not the worst thing that's happened to me in here, not by a long shot. Well, still, though, I'm sorry for what happened. Tyler stares at him for several seconds, that same smile from before crossing his face. I'm just glad you weren't scared off for your first time and all. It's good to see you again. Castiel tilts his head in confusion. How did you know it was my first time doing something like that? Was I that obvious? Huffing in amusement, Tyler shrugs. Oh yeah, kinda. But don't worry, I thought it was sorta cute. And it made me feel a little better having someone else be nervous too, since I haven't been doing this so long myself. Intrigued, Castiel wants to ask him more about this, find out how long he's been performing. But Tyler turns his back on him and strolls over to the speakers. "'Why don't you have a seat and we can get started?' he says over his shoulder. Gordon gets his kicks by timing all of the sessions and interrupting before the routine is over. Castiel is disappointed that they won't be continuing their conversation, but he does as he's told and takes a seat on the chair just behind him. Any preferences on music, or are you going to let me pick again? Whatever you feel most comfortable with will be fine, Castiel answers. He doubts he will ever get used to the matter-of-fact way they're discussing what is, essentially, what he needs to happen to get him off. But Tyler has such a frank, open way of conversing that it puts him at ease almost immediately. There's something so charming in a person who seems so comfortable with this, yet is still easy to blush if he's caught doing something unawares, like yawning on the job. Tyler turns and walks slowly toward Castiel as the music begins to play, a bluesy kind of rock song that Castiel hasn't heard before, but he thinks he likes it all the same. Tyler closes his eyes and rolls his hips to the music, hands sliding up along his stomach and chest, thumbs skirting over his nipples. He's still wearing his shirt, but the fabric is thin and tight enough that the hardened buds are easily seen. His hands continue their trek up, fingers sliding through his short hair, mussing it in a most becoming way, making it easy to fantasize that Castiel's own fingers did the damage. Tyler lowers his hands to the hem of his shirt tantalizingly slow as he lifts the material up and over his head, exposing those same broad, freckled shoulders and muscled arms that have given Castiel much food for thought over the past few weeks. Castiel shifts uneasily in his seat as he watches Tyler's fingers skim under the waistband of his pants, eyes jumping quickly to meet Tyler's gaze when he hears a chuckle erupt from the man. Tyler is smirking as he slinks ever closer to Castiel, his stare flicking down to Castiel's crotch. Castiel can feel his cheeks flush as he realizes that he's half-hard and Tyler noticed it. He glances back up at Tyler, but instead of finding disgust or ridicule on his face, all he finds is a pleased, interested look. The song ends, and as the next one begins... Tyler looks down at Castiel and murmurs, Would you like a lap dance? I, I don't think so, no thank you. Castiel manages to stammer. Tyler winks as he replies, Okay, dude, don't ever say I didn't offer. Castiel manages a smile before he jumps as Tyler places a palm against the top of his head. You don't mind if I use you for balance, do you? The words are whispered against his ear as Tyler leans down, fingers of one hand massaging Castiel's scalp as he uses his other hands to work his pants down. No, I suppose not, Castiel whispers. What else is one expected to say in a situation like this? He shivers as he feels puffs of warm air along his neck, Tyler taking his time and pushing his pants down and off he spares a moment to wonder why Tyler chose to remove his pants this way instead of flinging them off as he does on stage, but quickly decides he doesn't care because it gives him the chance to discover what the man smells like. Sweat and leather and a spiciness that Castiel can't quite place. The closeness is intoxicating and doesn't last anywhere long enough. Tyler pulls away, but doesn't take more than a couple of steps back moving slowly to the music. At this point, he isn't so much dancing as swaying, standing in front of Castiel wearing nothing more than a G-string. His eyes glance down at Castiel's lap every few seconds, and Castiel is more turned on than embarrassed by it. Tyler obviously can see his effect on him, and instead of mocking him about it, he looks almost as if he's pleased. Still, though, No matter how stimulating this may be, Castiel is determined not to lose control of himself during Tyler's routine, even if that outcome is to be expected in a situation such as this. He'd like to prove that he's stronger than that shameful first private dance may have led Tyler to believe. Once the song is over, Tyler glances at the clock on the wall at the back of the room. Looks like our time is just about over he says as he turns and walks to the stereo. Castiel clears his throat. Thank you very much for the, uh, session. (laughs) No problem, Tyler snorts. He steps toward the door to leave, but turns his back to face Castiel. Uh, just so you know, there's a bathroom two doors down and on the left. Just so, uh... He waves a hand in the direction of Castiel's tinted pants glancing down at his crotch with a smirk. You don't have to walk across the club to get to the other bathroom to take care of yourself. Just FYI. Oh, I... thank you for the information, Castiel replies. You're welcome. And hey... Tyler looks down at the floor, biting his lip before glancing back up to meet Castiel's stare. I, uh, hope to see you again soon. If you want, I mean... The man shrugs and smiles quickly at Castiel before turning to open the door and step out of the room. Castiel stares after him, wondering if that was still part of his routine, or if he was glimpsing a peek of what's underneath the facade. Tyler seemed so cocky one minute, vulnerable and unsure the next. Castiel sighs to himself as he realizes this recon mission brought up more questions than answers for him then sighs even harder as he realizes he needs to admit to himself that this was hardly a recon mission, as much as it was an excuse to get closer to Tyler Page, pure and simple. Hey, Constantine, you gonna shoot your wad and get out of here or what? You ain't the only person needing to get their rocks off tonight, Gordon says from the doorway. Castiel looks over at the bouncer with disgust. Well, one good thing at least. The appearance of Gordon has made it unnecessary to go take care of himself in the bathroom now.
3: a million dollars, I want to live out by the sea, have a husband and some children.